Hey, Costa, how are you? Good. How are you? Welcome back. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm pretty good. I'm 59.4% through a Cadbury Dairy Milk bar. And I, I mean, the, like the big family bars. <laughs> the blocks. The blocks. What made you decide to go and get a whole block? Were you like, are you stocking up? Was it part of your like toilet paper? Toilet paper and Cadbury dairy blocks? No, I wish I was in that industry. Unfortunately, I'm in the selling travel to people to go to Europe industry, which which is probably why I'm buying myself chocolate to eat at night. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, that's a bit bleak, isn't it? Yeah. But, yeah, so maybe I should move into toilet paper. Finally, those guys are like, who is where the money's at? Well, the Australian, I think there's like one Australian manufacturer of toilet paper and apparently they're like, their factory is now working 24 hours. They're working around the clock. Oh my goodness. Yeah, seriously. So this week I want to talk about the trials and some of the team changes that I've I've done because of what what I saw in the trials on the weekend and some of the news, I suppose. Uh, I also want to talk about trade strategy. I've been thinking about particularly trade strategy in the first sort of six to eight weeks of the season and what I uh, look to do in those first six or eight weeks and what what I'm thinking about when I'm making trades. Mm-hmm. What about you? What have you got? Well, I, I'd like to settle the Tom Trebojevich versus Kalen Ponga as your starting fullback grudge match once and for all, if okay. I can. Um, And I also want to talk through who some of the cheap center options are now and cheap's a relative term this year seemingly. But, but yeah, I just want to go through some of them and and talk about what that will mean for team structure. Yep. We're obviously not far away from from TLT now, so Mm -hmm. some of that will all be revealed uh, next Tuesday and we'll do a big... uh, We'll have a big conversation about TLT next week. Yeah, okay, so... So just on the trials, mm-hmm. did you get to, to watch much of the trial action over the last weekend? Unfortunately, I only got to watch the Charity Shield, okay. um, which which was an interesting game nonetheless. But yeah, that, that's all I got to see. How about you? Yeah, I I tried. I didn't watch any of it live because I was I was actually away over the weekend. But I I tried to watch at least the first half of pretty much all of them. Um, yeah, because. Typically in the second half, like all the first grade players go off anyway, so it's not that interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, some interesting stuff came out of the trials. Uh, yeah. the, the first thing I want to talk about is, and, and I'm trying, I'm looking for a better nickname for this. I haven't got one yet, but double lay lure. Double lay lure. Okay. Double lay lure. Lucy and BJ. Uh-huh. I don't know if you saw any of the highlights from the, the Warriors-Tigers trial, but BJ and Lucy were just running a mark. And also there's Benji and Nofo on that side. Yeah. And, yes, I'm a Tigers supporter, and it it's ridiculous. They're, they're playing like touch footy. Right. BJ, BJ, I already had Lucy in my team. BJ is now in my yeah. team as well. Oh, okay. Like, Nofo is actually the highest averaging center, like proper center. You don't, you don't have an interest in getting him in your team instead? No, not really. I, 
can't, I don't want to pay 600,000 for a centre. I okay. think BJ's got some upside. I don't really see any upside in, in Nofo. It's a lot of money to pay for a centre. But yeah, they just, they look great. I mean, BJ looks a bit fat, but he, uh-huh. like, he's definitely not super fit, but he looks massive, strong, and he's still quick somehow. And, and those two are just offloading, like, willy nilly. It's, you know, who knows with BJ, right? Like, but yeah, they certainly look like they're going to play some footy on that side. And as a Tiger supporter, it's pretty interesting. And how did how did uh, Luce look in terms of both his weight and his uh, ability to tackle? Lucy is as fit as anything. He's lost heaps of weight. He looks great. Yeah. Um, right. BJ looks fat, but mm-hmm. but but just fat and big. Um, mm-hmm. Hopefully he'll get a bit fitter as the season goes on. But yeah, yeah, they both look really good. Basically, I, I, it's hard to. I didn't pay too much attention to the defense, and you know who knows what's going to happen there. But it certainly looks like Lucy's going to get pretty good minutes. I don't think he'll play yeah. eighty, but I think he might get sixty. Okay, which is okay. plenty for him. I, uh, yeah, and I've I've noticed actually that the, I thought the Tigers' draw was okay, but looking at it again, it's actually really quite good. Um, it is good. The first yeah. six weeks is good, and they they yeah. the defensive teams they're playing against are not good. Like some of the edges yes. they're playing against are awful. Yeah, absolutely. So I think uh, yeah, I think they might actually be quite a high scoring team at least to start the season. Yeah, well, yeah. It looks like Benji just wants to feed the, those guys. He was just passing early before the line and feeding them, which is mm-hmm. a good sign. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas. Another trial I watched, the Raiders trial. So, you know, I've been on Bailey Simonson uh, all off-season. Yep. Um, well, he's on Jack Whiten's side, and Jack Whiten yep. just did not pass the ball. Absolute right. poison. Now, Simonson was actually getting really involved at their end, like, you know, taking dummy half hit ups on both sides of the field. He, he looked good in that sense. Um. And I do think that Croker will kind of, you know, if Croker can ever get the ball, we'll feed him some drives on that side. But, yeah, Joe, Jack Whiten just looks like super coach poison for those outside him. And so I've finally dumped Sean Lane and Simonson for Jack Williams and and BJ Lelua. Um Williams looked really good as well in the trial. He's, mm-hmm. He looks big and strong and he made a line break. And he was just kind of everywhere. If he plays sort of 50 to 55 minutes, I think he's going to be really good. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was another one that impressed me, Jack Williams. I don't expect him to make a line break every week, but he, he's, he looks like he's put on some size. He's, he's very much in that sort of stocky Paul Gallon mo- model, mode. Mm-hmm. And I've actually brought in Joe Tapney as well. Really? Okay. What's, what's your thinking uh, there? So you expect him to start at 13 and stay there? So I had a bit of a look at Joe Tapney last year and he had his first two – so he was playing on the edge until about halfway through the season and he had his first two games at lock were awful. And then from then on, his games at lock were actually pretty good. His minutes were very variable, but his PPM was good. His PPM was – in the last seven games he played at lock, his PPM was 1.14. Mm-hmm. And – so we've got Hudson Young and John Bateman now looking like they're out till about round six. Mm-hmm. So he's got almost no competition for minutes. Brian Sutton's out for a week as well, but 
I, I can't see him playing less than 55 minutes a week until at least until yep. Bateman and, and um, Hudson Young come back. Yep. So a lot of people seem to be on Corey Horsburgh. Mm-hmm. I thought, I mean, he might get better, but I thought he looked a bit lost on the edge. And he's on, to me, he's only an option if he plays 80 minutes, and I, I, I'm just not sure that he will. I think, yep. I think Joe Tappany might be better. He looked good. He was involved. He, he got a couple of offloads, offloads away. He actually set up a try with an offload. Can I just add something? Yeah. My my crunchy flavored dairy milk block. These fuckers. These fuckers. It has on the back of it the little thing you tear open says peel and reclose. Who is going to open one of these one of these things and close it up again? It's it's like a, it's like a little nod from from Cadbury just going, "You're a fat fuck, aren't you?" So you know what okay. I don't understand? Some people, what, what? housemates that I've lived with, managed to buy like a block of chocolate and yeah. just keep like half of it in the pantry for weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How yeah, is yeah. That, how is that possible? I don't know. If I buy a block of chocolate, it is going that night. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Uh, I, I'm the same. I'm the same. Um, yeah. Anyway, so so you said that you watched the, the Charity Shield, right? I did. Uh, who did you like in Charity Shield? Who did I like? Liam Knight threw four effective offloads in like the first 25 minutes. He was just owning people. And that, like that's my first mayor culpa. Um from uh, from about a month ago when I was like, yeah, yeah, Liam Knight, he's kind of okay. He's kind of not okay. Since he's been named as being the starting lock of the team and since watching him in the charity shield, I'm just like, oh, my God, this guy's going to average well over 60 uh, in 2020. So I'm so, very, very on, on Liam Knight. So my notes next to Liam Knight say, arise to offload a lot. <laughs> <laughs> the night of the offload. Yeah, uh, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, he looked amazing. He looked absolutely amazing. Yeah. Um, I want to find a way to get Braden Burns into my team. I know that that maybe the bunnies don't have the greatest uh, draw to begin the season, but he's made for Super Coach. Um, if he can stay healthy, I'm very confident. In him improving on his average, yeah, yeah, that's fair enough. I mean, yeah, we've talked about this a bit before. I, I love him as a player. I just I got so burned by his injuries last year. I can't, I can't do it. I was very, I was very excited by what I saw from uh, K on Kolomatangi. Um, he has yeah. some silky hands. He's he he's can a, play wide. He can play tight. He's got he's got a bit of everything. So. Yeah, he's popping up a lot of people's teams, but I don't see how he gets any meaningful minutes without a big injury. Well, if they have if they have a back or utility on the bench, yeah, it's it's hard. If they have a back or utility on the bench, I can see him getting like 30, 35 minutes or something like that. At pro? Um, uh, yeah. Isn't he a maybe. back rower? He, uh, well... He's he seems big enough to play prop. He's listed as a front row, second row, dual position player. So I'm guessing he can play some prop. Would you pick him over? There's actually a bit of a litany of those like fourth prop options now. Would you pick there him is, over but... the Warriors guy or? Um... 
no, I wouldn't. Rudolph. But, but uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't probably pick him over any of those guys, but none of those guys are available in the second row. So I'm thinking about picking him in the second row if he's on the team list. And it, it does seem like... Um, well, it's, it seems like he's he's the clear sort of fourth edge backer option, I guess, behind Murray, Sua, and Ethan Lowe, I suppose. That's, but, that's a long way back. It is a long way back. It is, admittedly. But th- th- there's a good chance he'll he'll get maybe a decent run during Origin um, or during the first buy. So I don't know, man. I don't know. Maybe. It's just uh, I, feel like, I feel like he's a flexible position who plays the first buy. Yeah, he's a long way back in the back row rotation, but I don't know. He, he's, he's got the skills. He seems to have the skills. So we'll He looks see. like a good player, but yeah, I, I'm yeah. not sure that I see where the minutes are coming from for him. Um, and my my second row is chock full of mid-rangers anyway. Yeah, me too. Um, so I can't fit him in. And I'm not really interested. Um, the next guy I want to talk about is Katoni Staggs. So, I mean, it's still mm-hmm. not... 100% sure, but he looks like he might be goal kicking because it looks like Isaac might not even get a, a spot on the wing. Well, from what we're reading tonight, uh, and it's Wednesday night that we're recording, it seems like Jesse Arthurs is getting the the right yeah. wing spot over Xavier Coates. Yeah. Um, which does suggest that, that Stags will be kicking. But they're also talking up both uh, Izako and McCulloch on the bench. Now, if that happens, that's going to be massive for a lot of those forwards because they're going to be playing big minutes. Surely not. Really? You're yeah. right. It is massive for those forwards. Like Carrigan's and you know, whoever the second prop is, TPJ. Yeah, maybe Flegler. But yeah, Katoni Staggs is now in my team with the goal kicking. Is he? Yeah. Um, yeah, I like him. I, I like him a lot. He's... He's definitely underpriced. Um, They've got a pretty good draw, really. He really the only risk to him is Izako sort of uh, coming into the run on team and yeah, kicking away. Yeah, that's true. Him. But it's not. A, I mean, but I mean, he's almost good enough to pick him even without the kicking. Mm-hmm. So anyway, yeah. if he's kicking round one, that's probably enough for me. So since since we've just brought up this Arthur's news and. Uh, that kind of thing. Can we? Can I just mention a couple of the other news items quickly? Yeah, yeah. So apparently the Harry Grant Paul Momorowski deal is yeah. potentially back on. Yeah. If that, that happens, if that happens, my team is just I have to start. I have to start from scratch again. <laughs> so because we, what do you do? Who do you drop? So okay. So so the the problem is not for me. Who do who do you drop? Because the the answer would be I'd actually probably drop Braley. Um, and play Grant over Braley. So what if um, what if Walters or Josh Reynolds is on the bench and there isn't a bench hooker on the bench for Cronulla? So if I see um, a Utility or Magulius on the bench for the Sharks, I'm going to assume that's going to be the cover for Braley. And, and I can't see them starting with so, that one. So Morris came out and said... Either we'll look to give him a spell with Magoulas or we'll have a mm-hmm. utility on the bench and we'll look to play him 80. As in, like, if it's Trindle or whatever on the bench, Trindle will not play hooker. He'll be, like, injury cover, basically. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Like, Grant Grant seems like an 
absolute weapon. I I just feel like, I just feel like I I take, you know, 55 minutes of Grant over 80 minutes of Rayleigh. Mm, I'm not sure sure about that, but yeah. Okay. Anyway, so that's, that's, that's the the first solution to the problem, but the, the bigger problem is what do I do with Billy Walters, who's currently at halfback in my team? Well, I want to talk about him anyway, because even even before the Harry Grant news, I was like, I, I watched the, the Tigers trial, and it looks like he's going to share the minutes almost evenly with Josh Reynolds. So if, if, he's, a, if he's a 40-minute hooker, mm-hmm. he's going to score like 20. I suppose the, the comparison point is that one of these fourth uh, props, right? It's going to score like mm-hmm. 30. 25 mm-hmm. as well and, and I suppose Walters will probably get an attacking stat at some point and, and make some money that way whereas those props won't so maybe on that basis you still pick him because there's just no cheapies around but yeah a 40 minute hooker is not exactly great I agree with you I just I can't think of a I can't think of another solution for my halfback problem at the moment so the, the only other guy and he's, he's not really in that price range that I really like is actually Ash Taylor who was goal kicking? Was Tyron Roberts playing? Yes. So I I, I don't mind Ash Taylor, um, but it is what an extra hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Yes, well, one hundred and thirty or something. But the yeah. the problem with that is that I don't think he's good enough to start, or mm-hmm. even be in your, as in being your seventeen. And then you got mm-hmm. three hundred and twenty k sitting on your NPR doing nothing, which is a problem that we're going to have in the centres as well. Maybe, yeah, maybe. The other, sorry, the, the other thing I want to bring up uh, is, well, two things. First of all, uh, apparently Brenko Lee has the has a good chance of getting the right centre spot at Melbourne. Yeah, that's super interesting. So I'd, I'd definitely be on him if that's the case. Yeah. He and he's the, like one of the only sort of cheapish players who actually plays for a half-decent team. Yeah, and he's, he's just a good super coach player as well. Yes. Got attacking, then, so that's all over him. Yeah, yeah. And then the last thing I want to mention is uh, Curtis Scott uh, cleared to play. Yeah, yeah, I saw that too. So that just means that the Kotrick will go back to the wing. Yeah, no Harley Smith Shields or anyone like no, that. No, no cheapies at the Raiders. Yeah, and it just just back to the Hearts for a second, Jerome Luai looked awful. Mm. But but he has he has looked good quite a, like a fair bit in the past. So he uh, had that one little stretch where like all their halves were injured and he was kind of running the show and he, he was amazing, but yeah. I haven't seen much of much from him since then. And I'm a bit worried about him to be honest. Although there's some talk that Burton might get that spot, which would be fantastic because he's cheap and yeah. looks like a pretty good player. Yeah. The, the risk with the Panthers is not who's going to get the spot. The risk is what's going to happen when Tyron May is available to play. That's true. That's true too. I'd be less worried about that with Burton mm-hmm. because yeah, five or six rounds with Burton's probably enough for him to make a bit of money. Whereas at two fifty k, I'm just not convinced that Luai's going to make anything. Yeah, he could easily score a bunch of twenties. Anyway, so I don't know what I'm going to do about any of that. Or will will be revealed next week, I guess. trading strategy okay when i think about trading particularly at the beginning of the season 
effectively, I'm trying to what I'm trying to do when I'm trading is I'm trying to make my side as good as it can possibly be as fast as quickly. Sorry, as fast as quickly, as fast as possible. And that means trading hard, trading early, and getting as trading my my mid prices up to keepers and try and trading some other either cheapies or keepers uh, down pretty early, potentially well before they've kind of maxed out in price. Mm-hmm. And well, one thing I will never do, for example, is is buy two cheapies in one week. Okay. So I'll never uh, so, make I'll never make a double downgrade. I'm always trying to make my team better. But obviously, if you're, if you're making a double downgrade, it means you can make a massive upgrade the following week or a double upgrade. What's wrong that, with that? Well, yeah, but you, you're just losing a week. It's true, you can. But then what if another cheapie comes up the next week? Basically, what I'm saying is I'm prioritizing points every week pretty much over cash generation. Obviously, there's a balance and you've got to make some cash. But I'm really really looking kind of at balancing that scale towards towards scoring points. And I want to give you an example. Okay. And this might sort of, this I think this example will sort of highlight what I'm talking about better than I can explain it. Ruben Garrick last year. Mm-hmm. I want to ask you in hindsight, when did you, when do you think the best time to trade out Ruben Garrick was? I'll give you a few stats to kind of jog your memory. So he started bottom dollar price, 168,000. Mm-hmm. Uh, he scored 16 tries during the year and goal kicked. He had 200 point games, one in round eight, one in round 18. And he finished with mm-hmm. an average of about 53. Yep. Uh, his price spiked in round 10 at 445,000. Uh, mm-hmm. And again, in round 22 at 556,000. Mm-hmm. When do you think would have been the ideal t- time to? And he played played round twelve. When would have been the yeah. ideal time to trade him out? Uh, for me, it would have been probably after round twelve, thirteen or fourteen. Okay, so we'll come back to what you just said. But so, Latrell Mitchell mm-hmm. started at five hundred ninety-five thousand. Yep. After four rounds, he was down to five hundred nine thousand. Mm-hmm. At that point. Garrick had made about 112,000. So he was at mm-hmm. 280,000, two price rises. Yep. That was the best time to trade him out. Two price rises. Why? But, so the, at that point, the price differential was 229,000, right? Between Latrell yes. and, and Garrick. So that was down from mm-hmm. about 426,000. So, mm-hmm. so there was a, the, the price differential between them after the two price changes had, had come in by almost 200,000. Mm-hmm. So if you did that, if you traded him in after round four, for example, by round 12, which is well, after round 12 when you said you would trade him out, yes, Luttrell had scored, including, including round 12 when Luttrell scored a zero because his team mm-hmm. wasn't playing. Mm-hmm. So counting Luttrell zero, Latrell scored 136 more points than okay. Garrick. And at that point, the price differential, even though at that point after round 12, Garrick was around 400K mark, the price differential mm-hmm. was almost exactly the same. It was 236,000. Because over that time, Latrell had gained 150,000. Mm-hmm. So if you waited till round 12 to do it, you've lost 136,000, oh, sorry, 136 points and gained no money. 
Okay. Now that's only with the that's only with the benefit of hindsight though. Sure. So Latrell, don't get me wrong, uh, benefit of hindsight, yeah. look, you're not gonna make that perfect trade every every year. You don't know that Latrell was gonna go on that run. Having said that Exactly. Having said that, Latrell was a gun. I was actually looking at doing that trade, maybe not in round four, but about round five or round six last year, and for some reason didn't do it. I just couldn't quite afford it or something. But it it wasn't an unobvious obvious trade even at the time. Uh, yes. Okay. So after round four, that five hundred nine thousand that Latrell got to was his lowest price point for the whole year. That's right. The the two games he had after that um, was against the Sharks in Melbourne. If it's you know, the Wednesday between round four and five, 2019, I'm looking at that and I'm like, well, he's just he's just scored a 36 against the Broncos who are pass. And he's now coming up the shark against the Sharks who are quite good defensively. And then he's playing the Storm straight after. Surely if I wait until, round, until after round six, he's going to be even lower. So you never pull that trade after round four. Which is what I did. But, I, I waited because he had that Melbourne game and I didn't do it. Fine. Look. Exactly. I but take, then he scored 97 against I, the Sharks and 86 against Melbourne. Fine, fine. My point is not necessarily like that exact situation with Latrell last year and, and who he had, you know, who he had in his draw and whether or not you would actually make that trade at the time. My point is that I hear a lot of people say, oh, you know, I sold Ruben Garrick or uh, Ravalava or whoever this cheapy player X at 300,000 and then he went on on a bit of a run and, and went up to 450000 and I lost $150,000. Mm-hmm. My point is that, so so when I asked you when, when the right time to sell him was, you said, oh, round 12, origin, blah, blah, blah. You were just thinking mm-hmm. about how much money he was going to make and that kind of the, the peak price to sell him. My point is that you need to look at the, what the counterfactual is. Who are you going to buy and what the points differential between the player you're going to buy is and your player and right. not just a points differential. If if you do get, say, a gun that, that is cheap, the counterfactual is also that that gun could make money. And so the, the 150000 that you think you, you're missing out on might not actually be 150000 because you might be getting some of that back in, in your gun going back up in value. Sure. Sure. Understood. Yeah. I'll, I'll say it one more I'll, Not that I'll say it one more time, but just to finish off. So over the season, if you... If you did bring in Latrell around that round five period, and, and you're right, the draw was kind of a bit iffy, but even, even still, Garrick was a pretty good player. You would have made 354 points rather than holding Garrick for the whole season. Right. By bringing in Latrell, and that includes the buys and all the rest of it. 354 additional points. Additional okay. points, yeah. Yeah. Latrell over, over Garrick. And, and let's say, you know, you could, you could I didn't make the argument with Ravalava because I thought it would be more obvious with Ravalava, but with Ravalava, it would have yes. been a lot more. Yeah. Like he, he was at a similar sort of 280, 300K mark at that point, so you could have done it with him. My point was mm-hmm. that it seems like a bit, people in hindsight might have wanted to wait longer on, on Garrick because he did do pretty well. And my point is that even though he did do pretty well, it was still the best option to trade in. And, and still the best option to trade him early before that round 12 buy, notwithstanding that he played the 12, round 12 buy and Luttrell didn't. And he only scored 39 points, I think, in that round 12 game. Mm-hmm. So at that point, Luttrell was 175 points ahead of him between 5 and 11. 
which is right. kind of interesting, right? When you think about getting those guns in before Origin, you're like, oh, no, I'll wait. You know, maybe don't wait. <laughs> Just get them in. One other thing that, that's sort of rolling around in my mind. So Latrell, so so the jump from, from Garrick to Latrell was what, like $230,000 or something like that? Yeah. How do you get the so, 230000 No, it's not how do you get the 230000 It's If he's $230,000 more, you're expecting kind of like 24 to 25 more points per game, right? If you have a magic number of like, Nine thousand or something. Is that not correct? I, it, I've tried to think about this exactly. What you know, what one point equates to in dollar terms, and it, I actually think it's very hard to put a figure on it. I don't think it is the magic number because it's conflated by who you play in your seventeen and your captain, and you know what I mean. The magic yep. number is actually not quite the best thing. The other thing that I wanted. Sorry, but we can go back to that in a second. But the, the other thing I wanted to say is that the money that got these guys make, so you've got to, you've got to think about the time value of money as well. Because... Mm-hmm. A buck at the beginning of the season is worth more than a buck. It's worth less track. than a buck. Sorry, yeah, yeah, sorry. A buck at the beginning of the season is yeah. worth more than a buck later on. That's Sorry, that's exactly right. Yes. Because your, your salary cap is whatever it is, nine and a half million. And within five or six rounds, there's that sort of hyperinflation as all the cheapies make money. And before you know it, you've got like 11, 12, 13 million in salary cap, which means that each dollar has sort of deflated by about 20 or 30%. So if you're talking about mm-hmm. that 100K or 150K that you missed out on between rounds 8 and 15, well, if, if you're saying it's 150K, it's probably more like 100K. If you're saying it's 100K, it's yep. probably more like 70K. Yep. That's pretty good. I like that. There was a conversation on NRL Supercoach Talk a couple of days ago, mm. and it it was about this question of Turbo or Ponga as your starting fullback. Yep. And uh, we've talked about Turbo at length already on this podcast. Um, we both think he's the way to go at fullback. We both have him in our teams. Mm-hmm. But there's so many people that are selecting Ponga over Turbo that I just wanted to make sure I wasn't crazy. I wanted to look at it a little bit further and just compare the two players. Yeah. Yeah. So the the reason why people seem to be picking Ponga, the main reason seems to be this whole as long as he's got the kicking business, he'll be he'll be fine. He'll be a very high scoring fullback. Yep. Which is fair enough. So let's let's have a look at that a little bit. Ponga last year played twenty games. Mm-hmm. And in those in those 20 games, there's basically three sort of separate data sets to look at. There's the first three games where he played at 5'8 and scored poorly. Then yep. there was um, then he had an 11 game stretch where he played at fullback and kicked. And then there was a six game stretch at the end of the season where he played at fullback and did not kick. In the 11 games that he kicked, he averaged 12 points per game from kicking. Yeah. Okay? So let's say, let's say, let's just take his season average. Let's give him that those 12 points uh, per game for the, for the games that he didn't get to kick. And it bumps his average up by close to four points. So let's call it from 68, he's now got a 72 average. Yep. 
Turbo, on the other hand, averaged 77 points last year. So he's he starts with a with a five point advantage even after we give Ponga kicking throughout the season. So if you you could theoretically discount the three games at five eight for Ponga as well. I'll, I'll come I'll come back to that. I'll come back. Yeah. So so Turbo averages 77 points. But he did have one game in which he only played 42 minutes and another game in which he only played nine minutes. And of course, because of injuries, he didn't play that many games through the year. So those lower minute games actually had quite an effect um, on his average minutes, which was uh, 72 instead of 80. So if we can assume that he does stay healthy and does play 80-minute games through the season, then that 77 average in 72 minutes becomes an 86 point average in 80 minutes yep okay so turbo in a perfect world without injury has like a nine point bump up um over ponga's four four point bump up at this point yeah and it's about a it's it's still about a 14 point average over ponga's in this perfect world scenario but Let's, as you mentioned, let's give Ponga some more points. If we take uh, Ponga's 11 games where he kicked and played fullback, he actually has an 86-point average in those games as well. Okay? So that looks pretty good now. So now, now we're like, okay, well, we're, we're saying Turbo's going to average 86 if he has an injury-free run. Well, Ponga averaged 86 in, the, in these games as well, where he was both kicking and playing fullback. Okay. I don't think that's fair, though. So if we take the six games where he wasn't kicking, he actually only averaged 49 in those games. So even if we give him back his 12 points per game in kicks, that doesn't get that doesn't get you to 86 anymore. So this, this idea that, that Ponga is potentially an 86-point-per-game scorer as long as he has the kicking and fullback position, I don't think is, is valid. If we give him his 12 points back, if we take out his games at 5-8, then he becomes a uh, 77-point-per-game average player. Yeah. Are you following? Yeah, yeah, I'm totally with you. Yeah. Yeah, and and this is the same conclusion I came to, that that the turbo's ahead, and I've I've got more reasons. But anyway, yeah, keep going. Yeah, so Turbo's ahead. Turbo, okay, Turbo maybe maybe has like nine points of potential upside. Mm-hmm. Um, Ponga might have a, a similar amount, nine or ten points of potential upside. But let's let's think about a few other things. So I guess the counter argument against Turbo is that he's injury prone. Yep. That's fine, but but that's also priced in already to his price because of the injuries he had last year. Yeah. And Ponga, Ponga averaged 78 minutes per game last year, so he wasn't as affected. So he doesn't have any injury risk priced in, but he does have the additional risk of losing the kicking, which is not a risk that Turbo has. That's true. And now, Kurtman sucks. Other, and Kurtman sucks, right? There's a good chance Mason Lenor just comes into the team in like round three. Yeah. Um, in terms of the team draws... We've talked already about the Manly draw. It starts very difficult, but then opens up a lot. And there's a few games at Lotto Land that are absolutely valid captaincy options for Turbo. Yeah. And because he does have that higher ceiling, 
they are the captaincy options for him, but that doesn't mean equivalent games are captaincy options for Ponga. No, they're not. People are also worried about AFB and Jobo being out. Well, it's now it's it now seems that Jobo might be back by round one or two. AFB will be a loss for the first few rounds, but I actually don't think that's a massive deal. Like they've got a lot of sort of big middle forwards. Yeah, they might lose they might lose fifty or hundred meters a game because not having AFB, but uh, I don't know. I don't know if that's really going to hurt him that much. People are saying also Knights have a new coach. Brownie was managing them wrong last year. But then, like, uh, O'Brien hasn't coached at uh, NRL level before, so you can't just assume he's going to be a better coach because he's not Brownie. He might, for all intents and purposes, be a worse coach. Yeah. For those people who are starting with Ponga, my only question is, do you think that he is going to be in the top two fullbacks come the end of the season? Because if he's not, then you also have to price in a trade to move him up to whoever whoever those top two fullbacks are. And it's it's a stacked year, right? So we can we can assume that if they stay healthy, Teddy and Turbo will definitely be up there. There's a chance that RTS might be up there. There is a chance that Papi, if he if he scores anywhere near what he scored last year, might be up there. And there's even a chance that Val Holmes might be up there, especially with the kicking. So Ponga could have a have a good year, even make a bit of money, and still be like the sixth best fullback. And therefore, what are you going to do with that? Are you going to just ride him or are you going to trade him out? Yeah. Whereas that's very unlikely with a with a fit turbo, right? Absolutely. Fit Turbo is a lock. You're, you're either saving a trade or a hundred thousand dollars or however you want to however you want to calculate it. But if you're going to start with Ponga, you have to say this guy is going to be in the top two or three fullbacks come the end of the year, and I'm very very confident of that. And based on the numbers that that we've spoken about, I just can't see how that's going to be the case. I couldn't agree more. I love him as a player. Love having him in my team because he's great to watch he he doesn't as i said like with the 150 games i've rarely seen him like really dominate a game yeah. like he does one two maybe three really good things in a game but really like a whole stack of them whereas turbo sometimes just you know at lotto land just just absolutely dominates a game and maybe it is just just the injury history that pe- people worried about with, with uh with turbo and I can understand that to a certain extent, but I'd be terrified not to have him. But keep, but keep in mind, he's he's still only twenty three, right? Yeah. They're like when when Teddy was twenty three, he had just come he had come back from a couple of ACL injuries. Yeah. You know, you would have you would have said, "Oh, Teddy, he's so injury prone." And people did. But he's uh, yeah, they did, they did, and and they shied away from getting him, and sort of now look at what you got. I just want to finish by by talking about some cheap centers. Yeah. Uh, it seems that we're not going to get like five rookie priced starting centers like we did last year. Absolutely not. So so we're going to need to we're going to need to spread some money around and maybe spend a little bit more in our uh, in our dressing room than than we otherwise would have wanted. I just want to go through a, a little list I've got here of 
guys who have some sort of semblance of a chance of starting or, or, or getting a shot in the 17, getting a shot in the 17 and just see where, see where we're both at with some of these guys. Yeah. So I don't think there's anybody under 200 grand that's, that has a realistic chance of starting. They um, talked about the, that young Bulldogs kid maybe getting a run, but his job security is terrible. But Yeah, yeah a game or two before Meany comes back. Is Meany that good? I, I actually think he's pretty good. I quite like him. If this kid is awesome and has a really good start, couldn't he keep Meany out? I guess he could. I guess he could. I don't know. Like Meany to me is not like that incumbent that he just like forces his way straight back in. I don't know. Yeah, with, with the yeah, complete but... lack of cheapies, if he if that guy is named at bottom price, I'll be tempted to get him even if it, even with bad job security. Mm-hmm. But anyway. Okay, so going out from him, the first guy that might have any chance maybe is uh, Braden Williami at the Dragons. Might get a left center spot if they shift Lafayette to wing or something like that. He's looked great in the trials, but I still think he's uh, less likely rather than more likely to get a starting spot. Agree. I mean, um, he'll be straight into my team if he gets picked, but yep. if he, I, I don't see it happening. Uh, Will Kennedy at the Sharks is just injury cover for Moylan. Um, so might get three or four games. See, that's an interesting one. I've heard differing stories about Moylan. Oh, yeah, what have you heard? That he may not play till halfway through the season. Really? Like they're taking this injury really seriously and trying to get it right. Mm-hmm. Like this is like career-defining for him at this point. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So... Maybe there is, and who knows what's happening with Josh Dugan because he can also play fullback. But yeah, maybe Will Kennedy gets more than four games. Okay. I mean, maybe not. Maybe he gets one. I don't know. But they're being very cagey yeah. with Moylan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, okay. So Kennedy's already at 242,000, and yeah. there hasn't really been anything else below him. Then we've got maybe Callum Watkins at the Titans. Have you looked at him? Watkins. I have. I quite like him. I love him. Really? I would almost. I'd be happy to play him. So can I just say? Can I just say something quickly? Yeah. I, I was thinking, do I want someone like Callum Watkins for two hundred and seventy odd grand who plays on potentially an average team, or would I spend an extra hundred grand and get someone like Wonga Blake, who, um, who plays on potentially a high scoring team? Sure. Like, is 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 spending that extra hundred thousand worth it to go from crap team to good team? The highest scoring or or the or the minor premiers last year, let's say the Storm, scored a hundred and four tries all year. Mm. The Titans, who got the spoon, scored sixty three. Yeah. So there isn't actually that much of a difference between like try scoring between the best and the worst teams. Um. So, That's a pretty big difference, but sure. Well, okay, so let's it's let's look at it. It's not triple, it's like just under double. It's just under double, right? So so let's say let's say you, you're trying to decide between um Watkins or Blake for like the first six or seven rounds, and then you're like, okay, I'm gonna upgrade them to a gun or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. In those six or seven rounds, let's say uh let's say Watkins scores two tries. What are you going to get out of Blake comparatively? Three and a half tries? 
So you're getting maybe an extra 45 points, assuming their line break tries, over over a six-round period. Like, it's not worth the extra 100000 that you've spent on Blake. That's, so that's not the way that I necessarily think about it. The way I think, think about, about it, it is, does a guy like Wonga Blake, if they're playing someone like the Titans, which they are in round two, does he have a chance of scoring a double or a triple in one of those first sort of three or four rounds? And if he does, he could make a quick 100, 150,000 and he could become a gun straight away. Whereas I don't, very unlikely that Watkins is going to do that, right? Yep. But on the other hand, just look, just on Watkins, he averaged in the, he only played about six, six games or something last year, but he averaged in the 30s. Mm-hmm. So he's, he's at a discount to that because he only played the six games. Yep. He didn't have a single attacking stat. It's pure base. Yeah. And mm-hmm. there's some offloads in that. He's got an offload in him. He's actually mm-hmm. pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Um, if he, So if he does manage to sort of get a few attacking stats, he could easily average in 40 somewhere. The only reason... And he'd be playing he'd be playing on Ash Taylor's side, right? That's right. The only reason why mm-hmm. he's not in my starting 17, I'd, I'd be happy to have him in my starting 17, is because I need to fill up the NPRs with someone that's actually playing. And yeah. he's the cheapest one that I can find, so he's on my NPR list. Yeah, Basically, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, I'd actually yeah. be happy to play him. Yep. So, okay, so moving on. Above Watkins, we've got Shibasaki and Mann at the Knights. So they're both about 286, 287. Uh, I, I'm not interested in either, personally. I'm definitely not interested in Mann. Who, who gets cut when Bradman Best comes back? Is it Chuala or Shibasaki? If I, if I knew that Shibasaki was going to hold his spot, I'd be interested. From what I've read, Shibasaki is going to play on the right uh, outside Mitch Pierce. So I think he'd be more likely to hold his spot, but it's the bad side of the field. It's yeah, the, it's the bad side of the, the field. The dark side of the moon for the Knights. <laughs> That's true. That's true. And he's not, what is he, 270 or something? 286. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not really interested either in, in the meta, to be honest. He's only like two terrible missed tackles away from getting dropped, surely. Yeah. Then we have um, Branko and Jesse Arthurs, who we've already spoken about. Uh, so they might be great options as long as they can hold their spots. With those two, it's just a job security thing. I'm not really interested in Arthurs. I quite like him as a player. I'm just not sold on uh, not sold on the Broncos. Yeah. I don't know if he's got a great game for Supercoach on the wing. Hey, do you know who the cheapest center is who has a fair amount of job security? Because none of the guys we've mentioned have great job security. The short answer is no. I could probably have a think about it, but no, I don't. It's Brad Parker. (laughs) $320,000. Darkness, my old friend. Yeah. It's okay. (laughs) No one's picking Brad Parker. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, beyond him, obviously Lomax, DWZ, Jorge, um, Remus Smith. All right. So we've mentioned all these guys, and they're they're well over bottom dollar. Um, so you're going to have to have some of them as NPRs. That being the case, are you planning on uh, having a bottom price rookie who is not named in your team? At this stage, I think I'm going to have to. At this stage, the question for me is if I'm going to have one or two. Okay. I don't want to have two. I'm happy having one. 
because it gives me the option mm -hmm. to loop mm -hmm. and takes away a potential bad AE. I think one's probably okay. Two is definitely pushing it. But yeah, I also don't want to spend like 300k on guards and sitting outside my 17. Agreed. Uh, do you have an idea on who it would be if you did have one? The guy I'm most looking at is the North Queensland guy. He can't play until after June 30. No, I'm not talking about the hammer. I'm talking about another oh, guy. Lemicelu? I've never even heard of that guy. Yeah. Well, it looks to me, it's hard to know, but it looks to me that he may be in line, the next in line. But there's also, um, I mean, who knows? There's Hampton and there's... Uh, t t Talungi or what? Yeah, that guy. I mean, who knows? But that's the, the placeholder I've got at the moment. But only because... Well, I actually tried to think about, out of all the round 12 teams, who have got some outside backs yeah. that are going to play Origin. And mm -hmm. I thought that, you know, Holmes and potentially Kyle Felt are both, you know, could both play Origin. So maybe there's some spots mm -hmm. there. I couldn't think of anyone else that's going to play Origin that's going to open up a spot for, like, a cheapie. Yeah, I I agree with you. Uh, that's a, Origin's a long way away too, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So for me, it's not necessarily who's got a chance of playing Origin. It's who gives me some flexibility in my team, both to move around if I need to, and also maybe doesn't have too many early games, so is a loop option. That's true. That's a good way to look at it. I've thought about it that way over years, and maybe I'll think about it that way. Yeah, yeah. So like a DPP that of a team that plays late. All right, so who have you yeah, come yeah. up with? So the two that I'm looking at are Dane Laurie, who's now front row center. Okay. And has a small chance of maybe getting a fullback spot if anything happens to Aikens or if he bombs out early on. Although I don't think he does. I think it'll be Crichton, but anyway. Yeah, sure. And and, and obviously being a, being a Panther, he does not play the first, uh, first buy round. Mm -hmm. Um, but they, the one that's actually... Do they play their on. games late, mostly? The first sort of five or six rounds? So for me, I've already gone through who who I'm planning on both VCing and captaining for the first five or six rounds. And it's basically some combination of Mitch Moses, Payne Haas, Tamalolo, and Turbo. Mm -hmm. And in all of the cases that I looked at up to round six... I could use a Panthers player as as a loop option, so okay. so he's he's definitely an option with my particular captaining strategy. Yep. But the other one that that actually I find quite intriguing is Ben Trebojevic. Yeah. And let let me say why. So he's first dual. of all, he's dual, right? Second row center. Yep. The second sec, so the second part of that is that. There's more positions that he can replace if if players get injured. So, if something happens to Siren or Joel Thompson or either of the centers, then he's he's a potential option there. Really? Is he actually like yeah. a back rower? Yeah. So I saw some of his um, junior stuff. He played mostly at center, but he did play some games at back row. I'm not even sure he's in the top thirty. Is he? Yeah, I think he is. Uh, he looks like a porn star. <laughs> He's got like bleach blonde hair and that like cheesy square jaw. He looks, you're right, he looks like exactly halfway between the two of them, but with bleach blonde hair and, a, and an earring. 
Like, could you imagine? Could you imagine a club and well, a coach like crazy enough to develop some kind of like eugenics program? Where they're like... <laughs> Phil Gould. Phil Gould used to say, "Give me uh, thirteen Billy Pedens and I'll win you a state of origin." Yeah. Oh, no, he's a development player. Oh. Yeah, I thought so. I thought so. That's, you know what's weird about that, though? After Brad Parker and Moses Suley, who are horrible options at centre, who's behind them? There's there's like no, no other centres in the top 30. It's like Brendan, some... Brendan Elliott, maybe? Brendan Elliott's like a, like a winger or a fullback. He's not... He's... I think he can play in the centres, maybe, at a stretch. But you're right, yeah. I can't think of who the next centre is. If Burton gets named over Luai, I think I'll probably try and squeeze uh, Kennedy in. Uh-huh. Or, or Avarillo if he gets named. I think I'll just take a punt on him if he, I mean, if he gets only one game. He's also a centre-wing halfback combo, Avarillo. Oh, yeah. That's good. That's mm. useful. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, him or Kennedy maybe. And if... If I can't afford Kennedy and, yeah, I might end up having two NPRs there, like two guys that aren't playing in real life, which is... Yep. Never had that before. That's a lot. That's, I've never that even started with one. Sorry? Yeah, I've, I've never, never even started, started with one. I've never even started with one that's not playing. That's true. I don't think I have either. I've toyed with the idea of it before, but never done it. Anyway, anything else? No. Bigger... I mean, again, all will be revealed on Tuesday, right? Yeah, can't wait. It's going to be uh, going to be interesting. I'm sure there's going to be some surprises and complete rebuilding of all our teams. Right. Cool. Well, ca- uh, catch up with as much sleep as you can before Tuesday, <laughs> and uh, I guess we'll speak then. Supercoach Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll chat again next week, I guess. All right, see ya. See ya.